Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to PediaPod for November 2021. This month, how caffeine affects renal tissue oxygenation in preterm neonates. Acute kidney injury is common in preterm neonates and is associated with increased morbidity and mortality. Caffeine administration has been associated with reduced rates of acute kidney injury in preterm neonates, but the effect of caffeine on renal oxygenation is unknown. In this episode, we meet this month's highlighted early career investigator, Dr. Matthew Hara, from the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. He's been investigating the potential use of near-infrared spectroscopy, a non-invasive means of continuously measuring tissue oxygenation to assess the effects of caffeine on renal oxygenation, in the hope that caffeine might one day be used to prevent and even treat acute kidney injury. Here's Matthew. I was... Born and raised in Wisconsin and did most of my training here at the University of Wisconsin in Madison all the way through my pediatric residency and then finally escaped Wisconsin and went to Virginia and the University of Virginia to do my NICU fellowship training. And that's really where I became interested in studying and researching neonatal kidney issues. And I had a great mentor there at the University of Virginia, Dr. Charlton who really taught me about how important acute kidney injury is in neonates and particularly in preterm babies. So after I finished fellowship, I came back here to the University of Wisconsin. And within the first couple of years, I started studying this non-invasive continuous monitor called near-infrared spectroscopy, which can detect oxygen levels in tissues and ultimately trying to figure out using this NEARS monitor to see if we can monitor oxygen levels in the kidney as an early way to detect acute kidney injury. And preterm neonates, I read in your paper, are at a risk of decreased renal perfusion. What do we mean by that? Every baby, when they're born, whether it's preterm or term, really in the first few days, the blood flow to the kidney is slowly increasing, and it actually increases significantly over the first few weeks of life. Preterm babies, that process is slower, so they initially get a very small amount of blood flow from the heart to the kidneys, and then preterm babies also have patent ductus arteriosus, where they can actually get blood steel away from the kidneys, and so that low amount of cardiac output to the kidneys actually gets even smaller when you have a hemodynamically significant PDA. Right. Is low renal tissue oxygenation then a feature of AKI? Yeah, that's a great question. That's something that we're currently trying to prove. So those markers of acute kidney injury, the increase in serum creatinine and the decrease in urine output, 
typically don't happen or develop until either 24 to 48 hours after the injury has already happened. So they're very delayed. The nice thing about NIRS monitoring and looking at oxygen levels is that it's occurring in real time. So currently, myself and a few other groups are looking at whether oxygen levels decrease a day or two before those changes in serum creatinine and urine output. And now we have a couple of published papers that show babies who have low renal tissue oxygenation, typically below 50, have a higher risk of developing acute kidney injury during the first week of life. The paper we're here to talk about today is another sort of arm of that work, isn't it, about the role of caffeine, uh, which is quite commonly administered in the NICU, isn't it? Yep, exactly. So caffeine is used first and foremost for apnea of prematurity in the NICU, so to keep babies breathing. But there's been several studies, and particularly by Dr. Barbara Schmidt's group, that have shown that caffeine really has a lot of significant benefits, even outside of the breathing system or respiratory system both as far as related to the brain and long-term neurodevelopment. And I was fortunate a few years back to look at how caffeine might impact the kidneys in the NICU. And what we found is that babies who were exposed to caffeine had significantly less acute kidney injury than babies who were not exposed to caffeine early in life. Right. So there are previous studies that have correlated caffeine administration with clinical outcomes like AKI. And people have been thinking about renal tissue oxygenation as a factor, perhaps in AKI. And so you're kind of linking those with NERS monitoring in this paper. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. My hope is that ultimately in the future, we'll be able to diagnose acute kidney injury, NERS monitoring of renal tissue oxygenation by itself. And that because we may then be detecting acute kidney injury as it's actually happening, then we might be able to develop therapeutics or use things that have shown previous promise for preventing kidney injury in that moment and ultimately then save some kidney tissue for these premature babies. And this was a retrospective study, wasn't it? Could you tell us what the original study was and how that ended up giving rise to useful data for for this question? Our original study was just a pilot study of doing both renal and cerebral NIRS monitoring in preterm neonates born less than 32 weeks. And over the course of 12 to 18 months, we enrolled 35 babies. Ultimately, we found that three of the 35 had acute kidney injury in the first seven days that we were doing the NIRS monitoring. So we developed this robust database on those 35 babies that had the continuous renal and cerebral monitoring. And ultimately, one of the factors that we really wanted to collect and look at then was caffeine dosing. So moving on to your results of this study, what happened to the level of renal oxygenation in relation to the caffeine being administered? So what we found is that the babies who had renal tissue oxygenation less than 40% had the highest increases in renal oxygenation after they got their caffeine. And really the time frame that we saw those increases was primarily between one and three hours after the dose of caffeine. And do you, I mean, I know this is perhaps beyond the scope of this study, but do you have any idea of the, the mechanism behind, you know, how caffeine has this effect on renal oxygenation? The way that caffeine works is on adenosine receptors, which there are several of them in the kidney. So we know that babies who have a acute kidney injury likely have high circulating levels of adenosine that result then in decreased 
oxygenation in the kidney. So we think that babies who have renal oxygen values below 40 likely have high circulating adenosine levels. And then when you give a dose of caffeine, the caffeine actually will block those adenosine receptors. So that's why we think after caffeine, when those receptors are blocked, you actually see an increase in the renal oxygenation. And does that also explain why you didn't see this effect in neonates that had a normal baseline? Yeah, that's what we believe, because we think the babies who had normal levels likely have low circulating levels of adenosine. So there really then aren't any receptors to block that are going to then change the kidney oxygenation. And from this study, were you able to correlate those findings with acute kidney injury outcomes? We were not in this paper because we looked at just individual doses of caffeine, not individual patients. So that's something in the future that we would like to do is really when we have more babies in a sample that have had acute kidney injury, we'll actually have the power to look at that. But since we only had three babies that had acute kidney injury, we weren't able to specifically evaluate that. But even if we aren't able to say that directly, do you think that this study supports the idea of caffeine being used as a protective therapeutic against AKI? Yeah, I think so. What I would really like to do is study some higher doses. So frequently, babies in the NICU will receive a miniature load of caffeine if they have more pauses in their breathing. So a dose like 10 milligrams per kilogram. So I would like to, at some point, evaluate how the kidney oxygenation changes in response to higher doses of caffeine, because I think that might even result in more increases in oxygenation. I am hopeful, though, that in five to 10 years, we'll be utilizing caffeine as a therapy. As we know, the pathophysiology of AKI is multifactorial, isn't it? Um, Is there a limit to how much caffeine could do? Like, are there forms of AKI that you envisage this just wouldn't help with? Yeah, I think that is a really important point, because I think some babies who have acute kidney injury, it's likely primarily related to either anemia or a hemodynamically significant PDA. So while caffeine may result in some transient increases in oxygenation, it's likely that the acute kidney injury is not going to be totally resolved until you address the underlying issue. So whether it's giving a blood transfusion or treating the hemodynamically significant PDA with either medication or surgery. So this might be one small piece in that complicated AKI picture. And you said that you'd maybe want to do this again with larger doses. Is there anything else you'd like to ask if you had, you know, funding for further research? I think really to establish the underlying mechanism, we would really need to collect caffeine levels to know and get a sense of if there's a certain threshold or level that's important to cause an increase in oxygenation. And then I think ultimately to prove our theory as it relates to adenosine, it would be great to also be able to evaluate adenosine levels in these babies to really show that the babies who have low baseline oxygenation have high adenosine levels and the babies who have normal oxygenation actually have low baseline circulating adenosine levels. That was Dr. Matthew Hara from the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. And that's it for this episode. Please join us again next month for the next edition of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com